1: Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, the reps swallow their whistles on Big Juju's hit, Kadarius Tony makes the most of his opportunity, and the CEH experiment looks to be over in Kansas City. Special guests include Andy Reid, Jarek McKinnon live at noon, now two guys who never cut corners when it comes to their bodies, Cody Tapp and Alex Gold. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is a
2: Victory Monday in Kansas City. It is Cody and Gold. And yes, there will not be Andy Reid. I don't know if we were even going to hear from Jarek McKinnon today, to be honest with you, Nick. I don't know if that'll happen, honestly. You just already canceled it? Yeah, I think we already decided that before the show. I don't know if we're going to have that live at noon or not.
3: No big deal. We are live in another way. We are streaming. After many criticisms from the text line that this would never happen, it is. We are live streaming the show on video.
2: It is up and running.
3: You can see Nick's face. You can see my terrible beard. You can see Gold's great beard, whatever. (laughs) It is available on multiple platforms right this second.
2: Yeah, finally. So thanks to everybody that did help contribute to that. Seriously, whether you came to the guest bartending, whether or not you helped out with some of the T-shirts and purchased those. It's been in the works for a couple months. So we are streaming. If you're on Twitch, if you're on what? Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, It is available uh, there as well. So we're happy to have that. You guys can make fun of us uh, now by what we look like throughout the show as well. And anytime we bring up, uh, yeah, something that either of us are doing on air, one of us maybe accidentally about to rip our shirt off. In honor uh, of this. Or Cody's beard or the egg salad sandwich, whatever it may be. Well,
3: I got to be honest. We're on video now, which means we got to do some stuff. (laughs) Someone's got to eat a bite of that egg salad sandwich. Nick this week has got to dress up like an elf. A Nutcracker, right? All of those things have no. to happen. No. Whatever the costume is, all of those things. Now that we have video, that's happening this week. We're just gonna, we're just gonna put it all in.
1: What do you think, <laughs> Nick? You could eat. If you, you could s- eat the egg salad sandwich dressed as the Nutcracker. No, I think if anyone's eating the egg salad sandwich, it's going to be you. And I think there is no better way to kick off <laughs> this live streaming <laughs> venture than what? Than the- a big just gobbing bite of egg salad sandwich yeah. right in that gullet. Ugh. Ugh. I think you're honestly going to get outvoted on this one if we, if we want to get down to brass tacks. Wait, we're just going to vote on who it? Just it just feels like it's your thing. I'd like it to be, you know what, I'd like it to be um,
3: anonymous, though. Anonymous oh. three-person vote. Because I think the votes might go different. I'm not voting for myself.
1: What do you mean? So one of you two is going to have to think you-
3: about if you really want me to eat it or if you'd rather see gold... Or if you'd rather see someone else.
1: Hmm.
2: hmm. Okay. We'll figure that out. We'll work on uh, We'll work on that. The Chiefs get the win yesterday against the Jags, as we know. 27-17. They actually get cover. And that's something we had talked about. They haven't been able to do at home very often, especially uh, against AFC teams. They haven't been able to, to blow out opponents. Why is that? Why are they playing down to a certain level of competition? What's amazing about yesterday is we could all leave that game and agree that it wasn't their best football, yet they found a way to win by 10. They turned the ball over three times for crying out loud. You're not supposed to win games, let alone win by double digits against opponents when you turn the ball over three times. In fact, NFL teams with a plus three turnover differential on the Jag side were 22-0 this season. Nobody else had been able to win a football game when they're minus three in turnovers this year, except for The Kansas City Chiefs, they can still win in a way that we don't see most teams win. And that is when you're making mistakes, you don't want to do it. I think it'll come back to bite them in the playoffs. But against an opponent like the Jags, most teams still don't win that football game.
3: Well, they have no business winning that football game.
2: By the way, people are already saying that the stream's not working well. So. It did shut down, and the freeze what? frame... Excuse so, me, The freeze frame, I'm going to have to screenshot it, by the way. The, 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 we'll, I'm going to screenshot the freeze frame on Cody's face right now. Cody,
1: you telling me that you started this live streaming venture and it lasted all of five minutes? I did say we should, before we really promote it, just keep letting it run, you know? Hmm.
2: Uh, uh-huh,
3: uh-huh.
2: Well, that's... You have anything to say for yourself? No, I don't know why there's a problem. I'm tweeting out the screenshot of what. Come on! (laughs) How the live stream is going, and it's a screenshot of Cody. Um, What happened, Cody? I don't know. We'll we'll worry about that in the break. Let's let's talk some Chiefs football. We'll we'll worry about the stream. well, he's already. We've already lost. We. uh, It's over. We'll worry about the stream later. It'll be. Yes, you're correct.
3: The Chiefs win in (laughs) ways that other teams don't. Honestly, it's both impressive and frustrating simultaneously. As in, how is it plausible? that the Chiefs are both capable of win- like playing poorly to a certain level and yet still winning. Because being lost in the turnover differential, that's just one version of the way in which they win, in which it's awkward gold. That's yet just one way in which it is successful. Because there are many other ways in which the Chiefs do successfully or unsuccessfully have these moments where it seems like to do this, they get down 10 all the time. Remember we talked about their winning percentage when they're down at halftime, or when they're down going into the fourth quarter or when they're down double digits at all. doesn't matter. They win all those games. It instantly shouldn't feel repeatable. But with the Chiefs, we have to agree that it is, don't we? That there's no denying that well, they can
2: win this way can, and it is sustainable. No, so I don't know if it's sustainable, right? They, they can win this way. The, the problem is the turnover part. And I understand they haven't been great on the turnover margin, but I don't think you should be sitting here and, and saying, oh man, they can be minus three in turnover and just win, win all the time consistently by doing that is still not the formula you want. It, it, it's impressive that they were minus three and they won by double digits and they controlled that game. You got the Jags trying to be uber aggressive right out of the gate and catch the Chiefs off guard with that onside kick. And that was the aggressive fashion that I think Doug Peterson understood he was going to have to have for that game. But in the playoffs, let's say, if whether you're playing the Bills or the Dolphins or, or the Ravens, whoever you think are going to be those playoff teams in the AFC and whoever you think is that great challenge, uh, yeah, you, you, you don't want to be in that minus three period. I, I, in fact, in a playoff game, I don't have the number in front of me. I would guess just like in the regular season, teams were 22 and 0 when they were plus three. I'm going to guess in the postseason all time, if you're minus three in turn, you're even worse. Your record, or just you're, as bad. You're, yeah, you're, Your, record, worse, your record has got to be terrible. So, no, I don't, I don't, it's not sustainable. It's nice that they can win a game like that, but let's consider the opponent. Uh, it's not a habit you want to get into, and it's certainly not something you can afford to do in the postseason. I mean, here's the, the – as you've previously pointed out, I mean, I understand that, like, you can't do
3: that against the Bills, but they didn't do that against the Bills. You know the teams that they do this against regularly, Gold? They're the bad teams, right? We would agree with that notion. The teams that they make those mistakes against, that they – have those problems against. They don't do that as much against the bills and they've won weird games against those teams too. Like they've played perfect games and beaten playoff contending teams and they've played not nearly as perfect games and not beaten contending teams. I think that more than any other team in the NFL, they are equipped to win this way. Sometimes I think it's frustrating because we feel like that they should be better than this or they should be different or things should be different for their team. But they do seemingly overcome it more than anyone else. Not only, they were minus three in the turnovers. They made multiple mistakes. You mentioned the onside kick, all that stuff. They uh, struggled to, they, they like like the whole second half, right? Or the, the end of the first half. All the issues that existed in that little moment where they let him drive all the way down. Jody forts and fumbles. Looks like they're right in position to score again. They beat the Jags by more points than any other team in the NFL this year. This is the most the Jags have lost by. I know it didn't seem like a blowout because there's only 10 points. That's the most the Jags have lost by this season. And the Chiefs played what? They're like C-plus game, give or take. I feel like that, you know, like that in its own right
2: really does say something about it. Just not, not something you want to find yourself in in some form of habit of, of getting into. I, I, I understand. It's just I, I don't think that should be like, man, it's, uh, th- th- this is something they can just do consistently, but I like to to know that they are one of the few teams that have the ability still to not be completely out of it. The other great thing out of the game was not just short-term, but also long-term looking at Kadarius Toney. Uh, Kadarius Toney reminded us that, oh, the Giants and, and maybe other teams thought this guy was worthy of a first-round draft pick, has first-round talent, and maybe it truly is a case of finding some new places to, to be, new coaching staff, new locker room, new teammates, fresh start, change of scenery, whatever you want to say, that that is actually a real thing here with Kadarius Tony Because yesterday, he ends up with 57 yards receiving, gets the touchdown, which yeah. was schemed up. I mean, he was wide open. There was, I think it was the largest separation on a target this year for the Chiefs. It was like 25 yards of separation. No there was no coverage. One so that, that was scheme as much yeah, as anything in really busted bad. coverage. But then you saw him go up in high point of football. And that was a, that was a wow moment, a wow play yeah, from well, Tony. And you saw the talent flash of why he was that, that top pick. And I they make an effort to give him the football. And I know we'll talk about the Juju hit coming up in about 20 minutes or so, but that adds to this a little bit, you know, what, what his role could be if Juju's going to be out for a little while, but man, oh man, the chiefs gave up a third round pick and a sixth round pick and all of us on this show We the day or two after said, hey, what do we think he's going to do for this team this year? Because I I think I made the comment was like, I don't think we're going to feel one way or the other about him until next year. Good or bad, because he's not going to get many opportunities. Well, two weeks in, he's got more opportunities really than Sky Moore has. Way more opportunities than Sky Moore has maybe all season. Yeah. And and we're seeing what they believe he can be whether it's the McColl Hardman role in the future, but the short, but the short term here is no, he's, this isn't just going to be wait till next year. It doesn't look like Cody. It looks like this is going to be a guy that's going to absolutely help them during the playoffs during this regular season in 2022.
3: I, okay. So obviously we all know that my initial reaction to the trade was this stinks. And I don't like, I told you, I understood the logic behind it, but I couldn't come up with a single example of when a trade like this was successful. And you're like, hey, this is, because they're all kind of one for one when you get into this kind of microchasm. because yeah, maybe there's not a guy who only played a year and a half with his team, but there's plenty who played two with their team or two and a half with their team or less than a year with their team, right? Like guys who got taken in the second round and get cut before the end of the first year. There are other examples and none of them were successful. So I understood the risk or why they were thinking that or the lack of wide receivers they had under control like, the logic behind it is fine. I just wouldn't have made the trade. And then I watched him play yesterday. And I'm like, okay, yeah, um, if you knew you were getting that, I probably would have taken a chance. Because it's not like I had watched a lot of Tony tape. Partially because there wasn't a lot yeah. to watch. Yeah, how
2: much of there was there?
3: He played a year and a half there, and he had had one huge game. Because to say that this is his second best game doesn't even fully put it in perspective, Gold, because... You know, he'd be like, hey, he had like 450 total yards, right, coming into his time with Kansas City. Like 190 of those were in one game. So outside of one game, Kadarius Tony essentially just did not exist for the Giants for two years. So to say that you were anticipating something occurring would have been a huge stretch. And he was already one of the better athletes on the field. That was the part that got me. He's making athletic catches. He's getting to the edge fast on those end-arounds. It looked like he already perfectly fit into the McColl Hardman role. I wasn't anticipating it being that
2: smooth. Yeah, and I wonder how much has it jump-started because McCole was out with the with the injury all week, the abdominal injury, and so it was like, hey, maybe this wasn't even supposed to be this much already, but McColl was out, so he's just going to fit right in. And and now the great thing is, because McCall's going to come back from injury here, hopefully this week or, or the week after, whatever the, the severity of that abdominal injury is. And then, to me, with what you saw from Tony, you almost feel like you got to make sure he is involved. Like it went. From, well, now
3: it seems like yeah. It, it seems it, like it'd be sad to not get him a couple of touches a game. Yeah.
2: It went from all right, just see if you can't get him one or two touches a game to now where it's like even with McColl back. I mean, we we saw that athleticism flash, yeah. and it, it makes you want to to have him involved. And you know, you just we, we saw late in the game once Juju went out, they put Sky Moore back to punt returns. Well, that's because suddenly they're relying on Tony in the the you know the number one offense a little bit more, so that'll be something to follow throughout throughout the week, just how that breaks down, but man, oh man, if you're Brett Veach, you got a big grin on your face uh, of what you saw on Sunday, knowing that you got team control if you want it for three and a half years. That includes the the option if they were ever to pick that up, but three and a half years, really, of team control on a guy, and if you're a Giants fan, you should be upset the way anybody would. It's like, wait, wait a second. How the hell weren't we able to get anything like that? Well,
3: that's what's... So this is why, you know, you'd be like, hey, why initially did you not like the trade? Well... The the reason, why, again, not just because it didn't succeed, but the Giants, way more competitive than they ever needed to be. They got a quarterback who's got severe limitations. You know what a team like that could use? A weapon, right? Any any kind of weapon. And yet still somehow they found no reason to try to get him more involved. So like Kenny Galladay, he's at complete odds with that, that same team. And he was inactive for a couple of games. But they're still putting him on the field now, Gold. Like He's still not involved. He still doesn't matter. All of those things are all very real at the moment, but they're still trying. They just gave up with Tony. And then I watched him play. I'm like, really? You you gave up on that? But I guess that's the difference, right? When you get a new head coach, new system, new scheme, you know, it doesn't matter. You're like, he's not our guy. He's never been our problem, and we're taking a chance. And I know the text line's like, oh, imagine Cody being wrong. I understand that like, the there's no instance in which this has been a successful plan. And I'm not going to be like, they've already won the trade, but now I get it. Now I've seen it and I get it. I understand why you have made this move because
2: Tony was so good in that game. I think part of it is because of what happened last year when the Chiefs traded for Josh Gordon and there was all this hype around the Josh Gordon acquisition. And the chiefs were saying how great he looked in practice and everybody was excited. And then in ultimately he did nothing, right? Let's be honest. He did nothing when he came to Kansas city and he's not even on a roster. I don't believe I know he's on a practice squad for a little while. So you feel like he kind of got burned by that as a fan base a little bit, like you bought into the hype. And so you were a little more cautious with the Tony trade, even though Tony was just a year ago, a first round pick hadn't had the long layoff that Gordon had still a lot of untapped potential. there. like not a definitive conclusion yeah. to Tony's career. It was still open-ended and it still is today. Nothing has changed. It doesn't mean all of a sudden that we think he's a number one wide receiver. No, but there was some promise there of not only this, you know, for, for next season, but now like, Oh man, he can be a part of that for, for this year. And I think that's why a, a lot of the excitement is there uh, for the chiefs and you know, it's going to take more than one game for you to sit here and suddenly be like, "Man, that trade was an automatic win." But if it continues any bit of what we saw yesterday, and then next year he is one of their top two, three receivers, then then yeah, I mean, if, if he's just bare if if next year he's one of their top three receivers and he's contributing every couple games the way he did yesterday. Then, yeah, then it is an automatic win on the trade. It won't matter what he does two years from now, almost. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take much when you, if you up get a third two and years. A six, that was the right.
3: original argument, is that right. I had asked you. It's like, if you get two years of essentially McCole, McCole Hardman level production, would you have been okay with that? Right? That was the argument. Would you have been fine with two years of McCole Hardman level production for a third rounder? And generally, my answer would be like, I guess. Like, to me, it's not a loss if you do that trade. But when you make that deal, you're hoping for more than that. Because if you're just looking for that level of production, 400, 500, 600 yards in a season, you could just spend a different... You you could just spend that third-round pick on a player like that. I know that we could easily make this about Sky Moore, and it would not be super hard. I just think it's the death of his 2022 season. It doesn't mean the death of his career in Kansas City or that he has no hope. But the, the like, Sky's going to have a role this year? Nope. They kicked him on punt returns. Tony said after the game... That Tobe told him he was going to take every single one of the punt returns.
2: Yeah, and again, he was until Juju got hurt. And so then they didn't want to have Tony back for punts if he was also going to be more involved and relied on in the offense. And so that's why Sky Moore went back there and became the punt return. I think a lot of it is we we know it was such a short time in the NFL already for, for Tony. It was one year. Even if it wasn't impressive at all, and, and it was on the path of being a bust in New York, And when he's only been in Kansas city for two weeks, I do think the reason why I think it would be insane to sit here and say, Oh man, Sky Moore just is never going to be it. That would be a mistake because there is somebody said like even having a year in the league period under your belt, and trying to pick up things can be challenging for anybody. Some guys learn a little bit quicker than others. And, and Tony, yes, it's two weeks in Kansas City, but he still was around NFL offense for a full year with the New York Giants. And so like, I don't I don't think it's it's fair to necessarily sit here and say, well, this means that Sky Moore is just never going to be anything in this office. I know you're not saying that because I think that would be a mistake. Um, but for this year, yeah, it, it seems very unlikely that Sky Moore is really going to ever do much this season for the Chiefs. Uh, but it doesn't mean that next, going into next season, I think automatically that Sky Moore is going to be nothing. Now next year will be a massive year for him. I like guess it's already setting up to be a huge year for his career because he, he you know if you next year the excuses won't be there. I don't even think they're excuses now. I think it's just reality for, for for the struggles that he's having to get on the field. the The wide receiver core has stepped up across the board. Guys have played to the level or exceeded what you were hoping to get from the top guys, and so there hasn't been those opportunities. And fortunately, up until yesterday, they had been healthy until the terrible juju hit.
3: Well, and and that doesn't seem like the kind of injury that's going to get rid of his season. So you got to feel like, okay, we can work through that. But I mean, the sky stuff isn't the same as we do try to soften the blow more than needed with him. Like, you know, McCall, you know, he barely played his rookie year. Tony, like they thought 500 yards. Sky Moore's on pace for like 170. So, I mean, there is still a difference between the level of production they got from those guys as rookies and the level of production they're getting from Skymore. Now, the thing I would do to defend Skymore in this case is, I don't know that any of those rookies, including McColl or Kadarius Tony, with his own team, had anywhere close to the competition exactly. that he has so in the room. Because he is still trying to get past NBS yes. and Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey. And hell, now Tony and Jarek McKinnon has 12 catches in his last two games and whatever else you I were know. competing with. And then you get out of the red zone. You're like, maybe we'll get him targets there. And then all of a sudden, Noah Gray or Jody Fortson. There's a million players standing in Sky Moore's way, but those same guys were standing in Kadarius Tony's way. He walked in and in two weeks had a hundred yard day.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, and I I think looking at what we saw from Kadarius Tony is there's a little bit of acknowledgement that like, you know, he's going to be in the right spot, some trust, you know I mean? That's something that Sky Moore most likely now heading into next season is going to have to really work on that is the right, whether it's running the correct routes and just proper route running because how many times over the last three weeks have in the very few opportunities that sky got. Did we talk about how Mahomes would be pointing to him after the play as if he, you know, cut the route off too, too quickly or whatever it may be. Yeah, There were several instances and and continue to be. And if that's something that he's struggling to, to figure out here in his rookie season, well then you're going to give the other guy, even if he's only been here for two weeks, that's been in the league for at least a year that maybe is able to pick up things a little bit quicker. You're going to give that guy opportunities and credit to Tony. Also, like as much as we're talking about giving him the opportunity, he's taking advantage of it. He's been here for two weeks and he's he's executed everything they've asked him to to this point in time.
3: I'm guessing that meme of his face is never gonna die. Oh, it's now. fantastic!
2: <laughs> it's fantastic.
3: That is yeah, a really great Chief, meme the, photo, the, isn't it? The Chiefs Twitter him just that like out cheesing
2: as big as humanly possible. Well, I mean, wouldn't you? How big of a smile did he have? you have? you left New York with the Giants with Daniel Jones? And I know they're having a good season this year, but last year was a disaster. Uh, the staff that's there didn't draft you, so there's not the lo- you don't feel that there's any loyalty there. They didn't they didn't draft you, and now you have Patrick Mahomes your quarterback. You're on the team that is first place in the AFC West. They have first place in the AFC now, and you've got you know a future Hall of Fame tight end as the main target. You're not being using asked you. to be the guy, and yes, and they're they're finding ways to scheme you open again. That touchdown that he had could not have been more wide open.
3: Like some of it has got to just be that they like just using you. Would, would matter to me in those moments. Because, like, he got asked about it after. He's like, do you think the Chiefs are using you more? And he's like, e- yeah. <laughs> What's he supposed to say? Like, obviously, they weren't even activating me with the previous team. Because if I were Kadarius Tony, especially now the rest of the year, it feels like we're on free money for Kadarius Tony. Because yeah. I I can't imagine he would be more motivated than now to just be like, told you I was really good. Because he got, again, he got in this offense and had the second best game of his career immediately, like took no time. For all that, you got to learn the playbook or whatever. And he's helped a little bit because of the Kafka stuff, but you know Kafka's running terminology. Offense. Yeah, a little bit. He said that it's not exactly the same, but there's always some similarities. But it's like we talk about it all the time. It's not like he's been in the league forever. He said one year, a single year in the NFL, and like part of what they were talking about in New York is that he wasn't even like a part of meetings anymore. Towards the end of his time there. So it's not like he got like a year plus all these other. No, 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 no. He got a year to figure it out. And then what? Yes. Like, because yesterday was just be a better athlete, which clearly he is like he is. a He is one of the better athletes based on just already. what Yeah. You
2: some of the stuff he did yesterday was the freak stuff you saw from Florida like coming yeah. out of college, like some of the plays that he would make at, at Florida in particular, that that's what you saw flash. That's what the giants I'm sure loved when they drafted him. That's what reportedly, you know, Brett Veach liked when he was coming out of the draft, they didn't draft him, but that we, we, we know by now it's well-documented that Brett Veach really liked him coming out of, out of Florida. we saw some of that flash yesterday we're going to keep talking about the wide receivers in particular that that scary scary hit on Juju Smith-Schuster what it means about the NFL what MVS had to say about it and what it means the rest of this week and the season next
0: you're listening to Cody and Gold brought to you by Casey Bobcat renter owned from Casey Bobcat in Blue Springs Olathe or Tracy on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app get your fantasy lineup set with Paul Chargian every Thursday at one o'clock
2: all right back here on a victory monday it's cody and gold we'll get to nick's notable notes here in about 15 minutes we are streaming as we pointed out uh just down to one platform and everybody's blaming cody only one
3: of you only one of you go on at a time <laughs> one at a time we're, we're still, <laughs> i can
2: sort this out still working things out on the video stream let, let me get is, this straight up really on quick. facebook oh what are you mad at me
1: well, let me get this straight. You are alleging that the reason the stream stopped working was because so many people (laughs) wanted to watch it as if. You know, other shows haven't successfully streamed right, so more than 50 people at once. We thought
2: we had five listeners as a show. Turns out we had <laughs> more than five people that liked the show. They That's all, all
1: thought,
3: I got to see that beard. Or, I want to yeah. see what Nick's wearing today. It's his girlfriend's sweater for the seventh consecutive day, in case you're is.
1: curious. It's his favorite thing to wear. What are you talking about, seventh consecutive day? It's you what, wear that sweater a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I don't think a lot before I get dressed in the morning. I just grab whatever's in front of me. Boom. Look, I like it.
3: I've, I've complimented the sweater.
1: We're gonna start doing that. You want to start taking inventory, style inventory? No, I was, I was compliment. I was just saying. I was right, just trying to time, give them a visual. Hey, next time you, next time you wear that Target quarter zip, in, I'll be sure to bring it up.
2: It's not a quarter zip; it's buttons. I thought you were gonna it's go for the snaps, the, the yellow, snap. the yellow Minnesota Brewery
1: hoodie. Yeah. Oh, the three. Oh, other, oh the three shirts you have. Okay. Yeah, I'll well, be sure to. I have. do wear like the, the same like start five over
3: then. shirts similar to you, but okay. you wear one. I have five in rotation. Really? You I don't have, have
1: hoodies and oh, two sweatshirts I wear. You have two. You have, two. You have that one and
3: you have the one with the minor on it.
1: Yeah, and I've got a green I've got a green hoodie and I've got a red crew neck sweatshirt. But you're not ready for that conversation, are you?
2: <laughs> I don't think I've ever
1: seen that already, red Crew Neck.
2: Tyler on Facebook already says, First time ever seeing your guys' ugly mugs, regretting this already. See? That's the comments that that we expect. We really do. Thanks for listening and watching now. On, uh, on Twitch or Facebook or wherever it you It turns are. out
3: you can do as many tests as you want, but mm-hmm. until you flip the actual switch on people being able to watch it, you're not sure if it's going to work. So it kind of didn't, and now it kind of is, and, I, and I'm calling this a massive success story. So
1: our <laughs> our stream took down Twitter? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, I, I think it, in fairness, there might have been some legs chopped out already in that department, and we, yeah. just, we just completed the death blow of
2: Twitter's current mess. All right, let's get back to the Chiefs, though, because I think it was, we all acknowledge the, the scary situation yesterday with Juju Smith-Schuster. He's having a great year, and then he gets a clear, I mean, it's clear as day, although the officials, for whatever reason, pick up the flag. Clear as day, helmet to helmet hit. How do you throw the flag and uh, then pick that up? Well, that, that almost for made it. For safety reasons, just call it. That almost made it more frustrating and worse because it wasn't so much of this flat out. They didn't even consider it that the official at the time thought it was a helmet to helmet hit. And then for h- how on earth you wave it off. And, you know, I don't know if it comes, comes from New York or whatever. The the hit was as close and as clear as day to me to be a helmet to helmet hit as possible. I don't think the Cisco, I know people disagree. I don't think he's a dirty player. It was, a uh, he was headhunting was a, yesterday, so I, man. Come on. So I, I every hit he took was late or yeah, so I like that. that. We'll just agree to, uh, agree to disagree on that. I don't think anytime there's a helmet-to-helmet hit, it means that player's a dirty player. Vontaze Burfict had a history of doing it. He's a dirty-ass player. He got kicked out of the league Three for times
3: it. in that game, he did that to Juju, MVS, and Jarek McKinnon on the sideline. He took yeah. an unnecessarily big shot.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's a dirty player, but they, they certainly were questionable hits, and how that bare, bare minimum, they weren't penalties is ridiculous. And then I'm watching Sunday night football, and a player got ejected for a hit that, to me, was not anywhere near the same level they they kicked the guy out greenlaw the the oh, linebacker for the 49ers last night so it's ridiculous and it has even mvs questioning you know what what are we doing here safety wise in this league if you're you're going to claim you're protecting wide receivers are you only protecting quarterbacks because that's what happened on the sunday night football game justin herbert became a runner for the chargers and it was a, a, a scary hit as well but it was more of a, a an incidental conduct because his own player pushed him into him and they ejected him. Is it because it was a quarterback? So if you're a wide receiver, are they not going to protect you? This is what MVS had to say about the hit to Juju that, of course, led Juju to go into concussion protocol immediately.
3: You know, I'm standing right in front of him. Um, and, you know, th- those those kind of hits are you know, not welcome in this game, man, because you know, we all are playing you know, and, and putting our lives on the line you know, every single play. And you never want to see a guy go down like that. Um, and then for me to come in and get – same kind of hit two plays later and there's no no flag no penalty you know it's, you know, are, are they protecting us you know because you know as a as a wideout, there's not many things that we can do uh, when the ball's in the air you know to protect ourselves and we got two guys go down the same type of injury um you know within three plays uh it's it's not fair to to the guys who put their lives on the line well and really that's the one penalty that protects wide receivers they've taken away cut blocks to pre- protect defensive ends who get paid a lot of money. They put a million rules in place to protect quarterbacks. And obviously our bigger issue is that they just don't call it consistently because the chiefs in particular should be mad because two weeks ago, they cost themselves a game because they wouldn't let Chris Jones kind of spin a player because of player safety. And then their guy gets a helmet directly knocked into their helmet and they won't even call it. Like to me, here's the thing about the deterrent it is actually more important that the referees are more aggressive with that call early because then Cisco can't make that same play on MVS because if he gets a second personal foul penalty, he's going to get his ass kicked out of the game. Once he didn't get called for it for Juju, he was carte blanche to go nuts in the game, which is what I think happened. I'm not just out here saying Cisco is a dirty player for sure. What I'm saying is he played a dirty game. And when he got through that hit, he got to just do whatever he wanted Because they picked up the flag, then he got to take a shot at MVS, which, by the way, wasn't nearly as bad as the Juju one, and they still didn't call a flag. He's like, cool, I can do whatever I want in this game because this crew's not going to call it, which means I can get away with it.
2: I I don't, unfortunately, I don't think any of this is new. You know, I go back to what I mentioned with Herbert. I think in this league, it is clearer than ever that they can claim they care about player safety, but truly they only care about the player safety with the quarterback that's the cash cow of the league, right? It's the face of the league. These quarterbacks, these young star quarterbacks—that that's all they care about. If if they really were truly about player safety, there's a lot of different things they could do, but they would be calling those penalties at bare minimum. Again, I I don't think we we need guys getting ejected from games for the most part. I I, I think that is a that's a dangerous territory. Again, I completely. Well, college disagree. football's got a big problem with that with with targeting. targeting, and it's become sure. an issue. And they yeah. at least changed the rule a little bit there in college football, um, but they are only protecting quarterbacks. So player safety, they care about player safety for quarterbacks because Chris Jones on one of the sacks he had yesterday. I mean, he basically carried, he, he basically yeah. carried Trevor Lawrence to the ground like a baby to make sure he didn't get a penalty. Meanwhile, you can go helmet to helmet intentional or not on a wide receiver and not get flagged. Helmet helmet's really tough because I understand it's a tough thing to
3: officiate because second because what happens like in the, in the one last night where you're talking about Greenlaw against Herbert is you're heading a direction. And then if they change their trajectory just a little bit, now it's your helmet into theirs. But, you know, Justin Reed, like, to me, it's like, even in the middle of the game, if you thought this isn't a big deal, every single Chiefs player had something to say about it. Justin Reed said, I don't, I've never committed helmets. Helmet have been in this league for five years. You've got MVS complaining both in the post game and on Twitter after the game. Mahomes said he let Cisco hear it after the Travis Kelsey touchdown. He's like, oh, I, I talked. Like, I, I made sure he knew. Well, they're
2: supporting their guy. I, we mean, I, I, I mean, that. I, I, that's what you want to see. You know, I, I don't think... I don't think that means it was extra egregious because the player spoke up. I mean, they, they have their teammates back as they should. I mean, as yeah. I think Mahomes spoke after the game as well and said, you know, look, this is a brotherhood. We're close. That's why you saw a couple of Chiefs players, not just the training staff, help Juju to the locker room. I mean, that's one of their one of their good friends, right? I mean, that's that that's what you want to see. You want them sticking up for their guy. And also, if you're MVS, the reason why his comments are important. Not only did he also get knocked out briefly before returning to the game. He plays that. He's position. a wide receiver. He he's not that, looking
3: to have that happen to him. He's yeah.
2: cutting across the middle. He he knows that very easily could have been him. And now let's hope, you know, this is going to be an all-week thing. Let's hope things turn out well for, for Juju, obviously. We know how, how it's the It's scary because he had a bit of that fencing response yeah. that Tua had, which means no, it didn't look good at all.
3: anticipating yeah. him playing this Sunday to me feels like a long shot right now. I know we're not going to hear from Andy Reid today, so we really yeah. won't have an update until... Wednesday at the earliest, on where Juju Smith Schuster is health wise. Anyone he going to give it to us today anyway? He was going to say the guys are just getting in. Yeah. And then he'll get that to us. But, you know, we have no chance of getting in unless some national reporter breaks it. Or
1: Nick. Nick, do you want to start breaking news? He is. You want to find m- out what's going on m- with Juju Smith Schuster? Nick
2: is the, the medical expert, as we all know on the show. So we'll, we'll wait to see Nick's thoughts. It's one on of those that, things
1: but... I don't speculate on, guys. Good. Wow. Players' so. health. <laughs> so. What? No, you speculate
2: oh. on that all the
3: time. No,
1: not anymore. Not I mean, since you had a they're... source on the Jalen Daniels injury. God. No, now yeah. that now that we're streaming. Now that we're streaming, oh. I'm holding myself to a higher <laughs> standard. We need a graphic that just slaps HIPAA across the top of the <laughs> yeah, st- yeah, yeah, yeah. Siren. It's like a police siren. <laughs> Anytime
2: you, you try to invoke that. We'll get something like that. Look, I I did see, it was, I think it was what pro football doc on Twitter, right? Used to be a doctor with uh, the Chargers years ago. And he does some quick analysis on things like that. He mentioned, and you're right, that the reaction we saw Juju make, a lot of people's mind went to the two situation, sure. understandably. So I think we all, whether he had the fencing reaction or not, that's where everybody's mind's going to go because of what's happened in the league this year. But he was saying that reaction doesn't necessarily mean it's more severe or less severe, which made me feel good. Like just because yeah. he was saying, well, that's just going back on I'm, the field in a couple of weeks. I'm just saying what he, I have no idea. None of us do this, but he was just saying as a, yeah. a guy, that's a doctor that that reaction doesn't always mean it's so much worse, which was a good thing to hear. So we'll, we'll see as the week goes on. And from a football angle, that's another way where Tony might have to or be more involved. McCole Harmon's out right now with an abdominal injury. We'll see how he progresses. Juju is a complete unknown this week and maybe the week after. We're we'll not see. sure he's going to be playing wide receiver so,
3: against the Chargers for Sunday night football. So
2: Kadarius Tony might might be the number two wide receiver for this, you know, two slash three wide receiver for this team on Sunday. Imagine I convincing
3: yourself of that, of that sentence before the season started.
2: It, it's early for that, but that's. That's in the cards, perhaps, for for Sunday's game on Sunday Night Football against the Chargers.
3: One of the other big things out of the game yesterday was that Isaiah Pacheco is apparently the lead back now. And yet I still think, because the the two things you can ask yourself, is it a bigger deal that Isaiah Pacheco is the lead back or that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was benched? And I think the answer is Clyde Edwards-Alaire was benched. Because Pacheco played really well. He looked good in that role. They're going to give him another chance in that role. He fumbled on the first drive, and Andy Kareem did the Kareem hunt. We just fed him the ball the rest of the game and performed well. But you spent a first-round pick on a running back, and in year three, he is no longer your starting running back or even in a timeshare based on the last game, Yes, yeah, so which we- is a valuable lesson. Do not take running backs in the first round because you can find viable ones in the seventh.
2: So Clyde only four snaps, 6% of the entire offensive snaps. He had never had a single-digit snap count in his NFL career before yesterday. We saw the first quarter, it was all Pacheco. And then the first drive the Chiefs had offensively in that second quarter, they tried to get Clyde involved twice in the passing game. One was a bad throw from Mahomes. It wasn't his fault he didn't catch it. Uh, but that, that was really it. You know, those were two of the six snaps he got the entire game. And that goes back to a conversation last week. Do they need to just go with two guys instead of three? And I, I didn't—I don't think that was going to make much of a difference. And ultimately, the end of the stat line for Pacheco what, 80-so 80, 80 yards rushing. I don't know if I suddenly feel great about the rushing attack because they just went with Isaiah Pacheco, um, but it's significant that they, as an organization, because they, they've held on to this too long with some guys, that at least for one game, we'll see if they continue, they're willing to not just view where you were drafted and how much money you're making. Right? We've had this discussion about Frank Clark a lot, too. Like Personally, we'll talk about the defense a little bit later on in the show. Uh, when Frank Clark comes back from his suspension next week... He should be a rotational... Uh, Carlos Dunlap should be getting more snaps. He's been great the last couple weeks. So just because you're paying somebody or somebody got drafted in a certain spot. Yeah. You're going to give those guys every opportunity. And I think we've all acknowledged Clyde's had more than ample time and opportunity to show that he can be that guy. Um, I don't think this is the the full on end of Clyde this season. Like I'm not convinced that we're just only going to see four snaps a game from Clyde every week the rest of the year. Like I, I'm not. Convinced Are you that. sure?
3: Why? I, Why would they go back now?
2: I, I'm not because it wasn't. Let's be honest. Like Pacheco had some good runs. and I like that they went back to him after the fumble. But I'm not convinced. I don't suddenly think man Pacheco's just so much better than everybody else in the backfield. McKinnon's always locked in because he's a great pass blocker. So he's always going to be part of this. Um, but I, I I don't think it's it's for the next eight games or whatever left in the season that I'm automatically going to assume that Clyde's never going to have uh, uh, more than four or five, six snaps in a game. I'm not ready to to, to say that after, after the one game that they're just, willing to do that, I just when have to see is... that they're willing to stick with one plan at running back. Um, well, not this year, yeah, certainly my, not yeah. this year. Although the
3: previous year, their plan was Clyde with, you know, Jarek and those other guys yeah. sprinkled in, and now they've had to move off of that. And I think their plan now will be Pacheco. Like, you know what they decided is that before it was Pacheco's a runner, um, Clyde is a runner and pass catcher, and Jarek McKinnon's a pass catcher. Now they've just narrowed it down. Pacheco, you run. Jarek, you catch. Because he's got 12 catches over the last two games. That's not an accident. Yeah. They've taken him out of the pass game equation, too. That's why I think that they're going to this plan. Because not they took away the thing, the other thing, too. Not just you take the handoffs. They've given his pass game duties fully to Jarek McKinnon because before that was a shared responsibility.
2: It was now. We'll we'll see what I want to see on Sunday against the Chargers Is because despite only six snaps for Clyde, on two of the six snaps, they threw a pass to him. They did. So I'm I'm not, again, yet fully convinced that he's just going to have no, no snaps, no catches, nothing in this offense. But it was significant. I and mean, that, that is what stood out for everybody. Not so much that, oh, man, they're relying on Pacheco. It's that, wow. Pacheco was fun to willing. watch, by the way.
3: He ran really well.
2: He, I'll give him credit for bouncing back. Bad fumble. They went right back to him as Andy normally does. He's because he's good about that uh, and showing confidence in, in, in the guys when that a mistake is made. He doesn't give up on them, which is a great thing. I think builds confidence for everybody. Um, but he ran, He runs hard. We, we We know that's always been his thing, even in camp. Like, the one thing everybody said immediately is he just runs – with as much intensity as anybody on the team.
3: And now we just need Brett Feach to never convince himself to take a first-round running back ever again. That's the lesson we all I feel have pretty good that
2: I feel pretty good that they won't be spending a first-round pick on a running back in quite some time. I hope yeah. you're right. I, I don't know why.
3: This is the opposite that... of, like, the quarterback thing, where they took one back quarterback in the 80s and then took 30 years mm-hmm. to take one the first round. You're like, no, 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 that's quarterback. You got to just keep taking swings. Running back? No, oh, we're good. Just take him in the second, third, fourth, eighth. I don't really care. It's not even a round. You're like, just whenever literally any time because they found a seventh round running back who's performing just as well.
1: Write down. Nick's notable notes. All right, guys, good banter so far this morning. Thank you. Thanks. Both it's nice to you. see
3: your face for Nick's notable notes.
1: Yeah. Well, you can see my face every. You see my face every day. Sometimes there's bars in the way. <laughs> so that's, that's the difference is you moved one of the microphones. All right, enough <laughs> shop talk. Let's get down to it. A lot to recap in the day that was week 10 of the nfl season big bounce back victories for the tampa bay buccaneers and the green bay packers both securing wins over playoff teams like you can say what you want about how real you think the seahawks and the cowboys are those are playoff teams and both of those quarterbacks tom brady and aaron Rodgers, had nice comeback performances which of those two teams are you taking more seriously in the NFC picture right now? See, this is tough
2: because I st- like, the Bucs are going to win their division. The Packers still aren't going to win the-, the NFC North. And the Packers still may not make the playoffs. Like, I-, I know, to me, the Bucks are making the postseason. They all of a sudden are looking pretty good in the NFC South race because the rest of the division stinks. So my answer is still the Bucs. And it wasn't so much that I thought Aaron Rodgers played great for the Packers. They just were able to run the ball. They had like 200 yards on the ground against the Cowboys. So it wasn't like it was the vintage Aaron Rodgers performance and lit it up. Now, if maybe that's what got Christian Watson going a little bit there, three touchdowns for the Packers, that might be their best thing going. But they still have a tough road. They're, they're what, four and six. Uh, their schedule's not exactly, I, I looked at it this morning. I think they're still going to struggle to get to nine wins there in Green Bay. Whereas the Bucks get to nine wins. They're winning that division. I still, I think it's the Packers.
3: The Bucs have only scored more than 22 points once, and it was when the opposing team, the Chiefs, scored 40 on them. So, like, they kind of had to. They scored 21 in this hideous win, 16 in the previous hideous win against the Rams, 22 in a loss, 3 in a loss to the Panthers. Like, they can't score. They have a very good defense. But you know what we say about very good defenses with offenses that can't score, whose quarterbacks are playing poorly? That we don't believe in them. I know because it's Tom Brady, we don't want to put that same nomer on them as we would other NFL teams because largely he's been able to overcome that, but at no point this year has Tom
2: Brady looked like himself. Like except for the I would argue the game winning drive against the Rams. That was that, that was But that just was, that one drive, yeah, not yeah, the whole game. Yeah.
3: Fine. I'll give you just that game winning drive. But still, for the most part, he hasn't really looked like himself. So to me it's it's the my, Packers. My but.
2: my struggle with this whole back and forth is just the I think we all like the Bucs can make the playoffs. I still don't think the Packers are. And so it's, it's hard for me to say like the Packers are the better team. And I understand it's because of the division setup, but like, it's weird for me to sit here and be like, man, the Packers were better than the Bucs, but the Packers are sitting at home with eight wins. And the, the Bucks are in the playoffs with nine.
1: Well, let's talk about, let's talk about that division that the Packers play in because Minnesota got a big win yesterday. A, w- a game. They had no business winning over the Buffalo bills who should have put them away at the end of the third quarter and then didn't and lost. I know that we keep sort of moving the goalposts on the, on the Vikings because nobody wants to take them seriously, but is it acceptable for me to continue to not take them seriously after their win against the bills? I mean, you can do whatever we once
3: took like an 11 and O Steelers team, not seriously. So I think
1: you're probably fine. I just, I look at the quarterback play and as much flack as Kirk cousins has gotten over the years, this might be the worst he's looked. This might be the worst that he has played in Minnesota yet. Somehow it's coming in a season where they already have as many wins as they had all of last year when they went 8-8, 14 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. It seems like every drop back that Cousins has, he's sort of just like kind of heaving it up there and hoping that Justin Jefferson will make an insane play, which honestly might not be the worst idea (laughs) in the world.
2: Not a bad idea uh, when when Justin Jefferson is making the type of plays that we saw him make yesterday uh, against the Bills. Yeah, I mean, you can obviously still question it, but my only response would be, and I think CDOT tweeted out, like, hey, they're frauds. I go, the good news is, tell me who else you really believe in in the NFC. Philadelphia, is that it? And I still have some questions. To the Niners? Extent. I would probably like, put the Niners but second. I, but I still have questions about them. Because sure. But, like, like, if you're having me rank yeah. them, those are probably my top two. And so, it's certainly not the Cowboys after what just happened yesterday. Like, so, the Vikings... They're not any different than anybody else, and yet they're they're going to win that division going away. They're going to be the number two seed, I think, if not the number one in the they NFC. Get a chance of the one seed, probably. Yeah. I
3: haven't looked at the Eagles' schedule, but I mean they get
2: Washington tonight. We know that Philadelphia is eleven point favorite tonight. Uh, and then they they still have a couple games against the Giants and Cowboys in that division which will be oh,
1: their tough. schedule. Oh my God, it's so easy. By the way, guys, uh, Justin Jefferson catch might be short list of greatest catches mm-hmm. we've ever seen uh, It is thing. It
3: might be the greatest catch because uh, it's I, the Odell catch, but he was being defended. And it was, was 48 and, and he had to finish the catch better than Odell's.
2: like he had to like keep the ball off the ground. Did you see
3: that still shot? Like great. the photo of like the defender's arms on the ball. Trust
2: me. I, I loved it. It was good news for the offensive player of the year race between and him. And I got Ty- money
3: on Tyreek now. So I'm off I of the money. Justin Jefferson I, bet.
2: I got money on both. I hedged, So like, <laughs> there you go. Offensive player of the year. Feeling good about both. I know we'll talk about the bills coming up in about seven minutes. Yeah. Or so, so we
1: are going to, um, I want to pivot here real quick before we move on. I want to talk about the new leader in the clubhouse for NFL coach of the year, guys. Jeff Saturday. <laughs> okay. Because he won one Saturday. game against a team on Twitter, Jeff he said looks terrible. Had that ragtag bunch of misfits looking like a well-oiled machine versus the Raiders. Jonathan Taylor looking spry. Matt Ryan seems to have found it again. I'm all in on the Colts and the Jeff Saturday experience. Good for him, by the way. I know we had a you know a long discussion on
2: Friday's show and, and Thursday, I guess. About the Jeff Saturday hire. You got Bill Cower yesterday on CBS pregame calling it a disgrace to coaching and all of this. And I don't fully disagree with everything that Bill Cower said yesterday. A disgrace, a disgrace to coaching. Is have, you it's seen, a sport. have you seen
1: Josh McDaniels? That's a yeah. disgrace to coaching. Or Hackett? Yeah. So I,
2: I agree with both of you. So I said, I only agree with some of the things that Bill Cower had to say. My, the part that I thought was ridiculous from Cower, though, about the Jeff Saturday hire, he was saying, you know, that heat, you know, these other coaches put in their time. And I agree with that. If I'm like Reggie Wayne or an assistant on, st- on, on the staff, I would be upset. Um, but that's but how of, life, I,
1: I, this is just how gonna, life works, not just the NFL. Do you think that's how life works as well, Gold? Yeah, I was going to get to it. I was, I promise I was on my way. I was headed, okay. I was
2: headed in that direction. I Cody didn't quite took a beeline. Get, you were taking the winding road and Cody just sprinted into the finish line. <laughs> I was working my way there. No, I was going to say, look, so I, I think there's, there's validity to, the coaches on staff being, you know, upset, right? They busting their ass for years and years and years. True. Uh, to Cody's point, unfortunately, this, that is life. It does happen. Now you can say, well, we don't have to be okay with it. Fine. No, no, nobody's okay with it. But why do you think the NFL's immune to it? You know what I mean? Like that was what was always funny about the criticism on the Saturday hires. Like, why do we think the NFL should be immune to nepotism and other things? It happens all the time. You know, so that so that was what I didn't understand about it. Be upset with Jim Irsey. Don't be mad at Jeff Saturday. The, the the hottest take I heard all weekend was that Jeff Saturday should have turned the job down. What? You're telling me and you're walk in and, and you, whatever line of work you do, and maybe you're not qualified for this top position. It's like that, they
3: offered you to be the afternoon host in LA, and you're like, pass. Wait, no, like, he's qualified so, so. to do that.
1: What do you mean? That's not the same. So,
3: that would be a jump. No, he could do it,
1: though. But anyway, It'd be like if they offered him the head coaching position of the Indianapolis Colts, for example. No, or the but, president of ESPN. I guess the exact example would be, let's
2: say you were right out of college and ESPN wanted you to do Monday Night Football. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and you know you're not qualified. But you're not going to turn it down! Dude, could, <laughs> you good, imagine, thanks, guys.
1: could you imagine if ESPN got that desperate and they hired some? That would be an electric content for at least a month, and then we'd get tired of it. Like, like, I, I don't know I was right right like now. I don't know what's going on
2: It is true though right now would you rather have Jeff Saturday Josh McDaniel's or Nathaniel the coaching? Saturday
1: yeah. Saturday why not yeah. one out baby it's at least, least we know at least we know he can look competent yeah, I know the other he he two will job. always but we know yeah. he has that in his bag we know those other two can't.
3: He might also suck at his job, but the other two definitely do, and the other one might. And if you're so, going to suck him, at your I job, him.
2: don't make it obvious. <laughs> Coming up next, though, you mentioned that Bill's Vikings game, what a loss it was for Buffalo, what it means for Kansas City, and it's happening again in Buffalo.
0: Cody and gold brought to you by Casey Bobcat. Rent or own from Casey Bobcat in blue Springs, Olathe or Tracy. Don't Don't miss Nate Taylor Taylor. for the latest insights on the chiefs every Tuesday at one o'clock right here on your official broadcast partner of the chiefs 610 sports radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.